Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast and I want to thank you for joining with me again today for this week's message. Uh, this week's message is about the call. Uh, today we're looking at a story of Jesus when he begins to call his disciples to invite them to leave their old way of life behind and to take a risk and to step out in faith to follow him to a very different kind of life than they imagined it could ever be. We look at this in light of what Jesus might be calling each one of us to do today, the things he might be asking us to leave behind, to step out, and to discover a new way of life that, inv that involves God's call on each one of us. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect with us on this message on The Call. Back in 1998, I was pastoring a church in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. My first four years there were very difficult. We had a lot of conflict. A lot of things were changing and a small handful of people were really mad at me and making my life miserable. When they finally left the church, God gave us a sense of peace and unity and the church began to grow. It became fun, and I really enjoyed it. But after a few years, I had this sense that God was leading me to a new call. After applying for some other positions, I was quite surprised when I received a phone call from Central California inviting me to fly out for an interview. And after sitting down with the search committee for a two-hour discussion, I was surprised again when they offered me the job. It was exciting and scary at the same time. We had a great life in Michigan. I loved the church and the people. My two boys were in great schools with great friends. Why would we give that up? Why would we move our family 2,000 miles across the country to a place where we didn't know anyone? What if it didn't work? What if my kids didn't like their new schools or make new friends? What if it turned out I didn't like my job? Was it worth it to disrupt our family life in such a drastic way? The reason we did it was because I was convinced that this was the call of God on my life and on our family life. I believe this offer was a call from God to lead our lives in a new direction. There were some scary moments when I was afraid I had misunderstood God and made the wrong decision. But looking back on it now, some 20 plus years later, I can see that it was what God wanted us to do. God did so many great things in our lives because we were ready to take a risk and follow him to a strange new land. What would it take for you to do that? What would it take for you to sell your house, quit your job, and move all the way across the country? If God called you to radically change your life in order to follow him, 
would you do it? This is what it means to be a Christian. When you encounter Jesus, he always asks us to leave our old lives behind, to walk away from them and follow him somewhere new. As we begin this series on the rising sun, looking at the life of Christ in the Gospel of Mark, today we're looking at the story where Jesus called his disciples to change their lives, walk away from what they were doing, and follow him. This is what we read in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 31. Later on, John was arrested. Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. This passage shows us three things Jesus wants us to do. Repent and believe. Follow him and heal others. First is to repent and believe. In verses 14 and 15, the first words out of Jesus' mouth in the gospel are, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The word repent means to reverse course. 
means if you're driving down the road going east, you do a U-turn and start driving west. It means that if your whole life has been in pursuit of money and fame, you turn around and pursue something more important. It means if your heart is filled with anger and hatred, you leave those things at the feet of God, you turn around, and you walk away from them. Turning away from something bad won't do you any good if you turn towards something else that is bad. The only way it becomes beneficial is if you turn towards something good. Jesus says when you repent and turn away from your sins, you have to turn towards the good news and believe in it. The Greek word for good news is the word euangelion, which is where we get our word evangelism. It's the prefix eu, which means joyful, in front of the word angelos or angel, which is one who announces news. So the word gospel is about announcing good news. You're going to have a baby is usually good news. You got offered a great job is good news. You've just been healed of a life-threatening disease is good news. Jesus is all about good news. Anyone who repents, turns away from their sins, and turns to Jesus will receive good news. What is the good news? The good news is that the perfect world that was created in the beginning is coming back. Ever since the first human beings chose sin over God, chose selfishness over unselfishness, and chose lies over truth, our world has been on a downward spiral that had no end. It's like falling down into a bottomless pit. There is no end to how evil people can be. There is no bottom to how depraved our world can be. Jesus stopped that. When Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, he stopped that downward spiral and reversed the course of human history. The good news is that you can be saved from the corruption in your own heart your soul and your spirit can be revived, and you can become a new person. You can have faith and hope and love again, and nobody can take it away from you. Your eternal life will be secure. And the Holy Spirit is disrupting the evil forces in our universe, renewing our world, and rejuvenating our planet so that one day the kingdom of God will be perfectly established on earth and nothing will stain it or contaminate it ever again. That's why Jesus says, repent and believe in me. The second thing Jesus says in this passage is to follow him. In verses 16 to 20, Jesus calls out to Peter and Andrew and James and John to follow him and he would teach them how to fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets. They walked away from life as they knew it and followed Christ. And their lives were never the same. 
This passage shows us that you can't have a relationship with Jesus unless he calls you. The fact that he does call you means that you matter. You matter to God. God cares about you. Jesus wants you to follow him because you are important to him. You are not insignificant. You are not a nobody. You are not a mistake. You are valuable. You are important. Jesus cares about you so much that he calls you to follow him. When Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and James and John, they leave their jobs as fishermen to follow him. They leave behind their families and their friends. They walk away from their old way of life for the promise of a new life. Jesus was interfering with their lives, and he will interfere in yours. Jesus was disrupting their lives, and he will disrupt yours. Jesus was telling them they needed to make a break with their past, and so do we. Now, in traditional cultures, you get your identity from your family. He's a Cowden, and we know what the Cowdens are like. He's a Hall, or she's a Harris, or they're the Fries, they're the Whitesouls, they're the Buckaloos or the Grizzles. We know what they are like. What family you were from formed your identity. Your family name had a reputation. All you had to do was say someone's last name and everyone in town knew what kind of people you were talking about. When Jesus asks you to follow him, he is saying that he wants priority over your family. That was drastic. He's saying he wants priority over your career. That was dramatic. He is saying that knowing him, loving him, resembling him, and serving him must become the supreme passion of your life. Everything else comes second. It's not that you can't have any other relationships. It's that all your other relationships have to become secondary to your relationship with Christ, and now have to be influenced, changed, and dominated by your relationship with Christ. It's not that you can't have any other interests. It's that all of your other interests are now seen through your relationship with Christ. Jesus changes everything. Jesus is giving you a new family name. In today's world, we know what the Bill Gates name means. We know what the Elon Musk name means. We know what the Snoop Dogg name means, what the Lady Gaga name means, and what the Alex Trebek name means. The Jesus Christ name is more important than any other name in the world. And if you will follow him, you will be known by his name. There is no other name that is more important that you could be known by. The third part of this passage is that Jesus wants us to heal others. 
In verses 21 to 31, Jesus and his new followers go to the town of Capernaum, where he teaches in the synagogue, where he heals a man with an evil spirit, and where he heals Peter's mother-in-law. When Jesus met people, he changed their lives. He encountered a lot of people who were sick and hurting. He changed their circumstances. He healed them, and he gave them hope. As we follow Jesus, and as he teaches us how to fish for people, Jesus wants us to heal people too. A lot of people in our world are struggling. People are worried about their physical health, about their jobs, their future. People are struggling with loneliness, isolation, and depression. People feel hopeless, helpless, and weary. As Christians, the Holy Spirit can work through us to bring healing into people's lives. Sometimes people just need someone to talk to. Sometimes people just need someone to call them on the phone and say, hey, how you doing? Sometimes we just need someone to listen to us or pray for us. Some people need you to share your faith with them. Some people watch too much news on TV and get all the joy robbed out of their lives. Some people consume lies from the internet and have their minds clouded with problems that aren't real and will never happen. Some people's souls have become as dry and dusty as the desert. Jesus had a ministry of healing. He calls us to a ministry of healing as well. And the good news is that you don't have to be 100% healed to help heal someone else. Many years ago, Henry Nowen introduced the idea of the wounded healer. Even when you have been wounded, you can still help heal others. In fact, it is because you have been wounded that you can help heal others. Jesus calls you to follow him into this important ministry of healing. About 150 years ago, George MacDonald wrote a children's book called The Princess and the Goblin. Irene, the princess, is eight years old. She has found an attic room in her house, and every so often her fairy grandmother appears there. When Irene goes to look for her, she's often not there. So one day her grandmother gives her a ring with a thread tied to it, leading to a little ball of thread. She explains that she will keep the ball. Irene says she can't see it. Her grandmother says, no, you can't. The thread is too fine to see. You can only feel it. But she tells her that if she ever gets in any danger, she should just follow the thread and it will lead Irene back to her grandmother. At first, Irene is excited, but her grandmother tells her that the thread may lead her in some very roundabout ways, but she must not doubt the thread. Her grandmother will always be holding the other end of the thread and she will never let go. 
A few days later, Irene is in bed and she hears some goblins in her house snarling out in the hallway. She gets scared, so she starts to follow the thread to her grandmother. But to her dismay, the thread leads her outside. And then the thread leads her right back towards the cave of the goblins. It leads her into the cave. When she tried to turn around and go backward, the thread vanished. She could only follow the thread forward. The thread leads her to a wall of rocks. It's a dead end. She starts to cry. She doesn't know what to do. She slowly starts to unpile the rocks until there is an opening she can crawl through. The thread leads her deeper into the cave. She becomes even more afraid, but she keeps going because she trusts that her grandmother will be at the end of the thread. The story was George MacDonald's way of teaching us what it means to follow Christ. Following Jesus is like going on a journey we don't always understand. But he wants us to keep trusting him and not turn back. He wants us to turn to him in all the disappointments and injustices that happen to us. The path Jesus is leading you on may look like it's taking you into one cave and one dead end after another. But the thread does not work in reverse. If you obey Christ and follow it forward, it will do its work. Jesus may not call you to move all the way across the country, but he will call you to go places you've never gone before. When Jesus calls you, he wants you to follow the thread back to him. You start following the thread when you repent and believe in the good news. You follow the thread when, like Peter and Andrew and James and John, you leave some things from your old life behind to follow Christ. And you follow the thread when you reach out and heal people just like Christ. All of these things are part of the call of God on your life. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.